Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry skies, see your hand in time, and mine to lead me through the night. I'm going to preach for a little while today. I want to take your attention to James chapter 5 and beginning at verse 7. James 5 and beginning at verse 7. And I'll read from this scripture and we'll launch from there. The scripture says, the writer James the Apostle, he says, Therefore be patient, brethren. Be patient. How many like being patient? Not a hand in the house. Be patient, brethren. Boy, the scripture's challenging. How long should I be patient? Until the coming of the Lord. Boy, it would just be awesome, wouldn't it, to receive the power of the Holy Ghost, have your sins washed away in baptism, and then poof, up into heaven we go. No patience required, immediacy in the glory. Wouldn't that be awesome? It doesn't work that way. We continue to live and dwell here as the Lord works in and on us. Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And then he gives this illustration. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. That patience, our waiting, what we do until the Lord returns. James gives the illustration of the farmer who works the land, who processes, who plants seed, and then sees the rains, the early rains and the latter rains. And he recognizes the power of the rain to produce the fruit. The fruit is the end game. James said, look at the farmer. While waiting on the end game, the coming of the Lord, be engaged by the early rains and the latter rains. Today, I want to talk a little bit about growing rains. Growing rains. You may be seated. As I've already alluded to, and this congregation has been aware, we uh, were on vacation, my wife and I, and we did a driving vacation, just didn't feel like messing with airports this time around. We spent most of our vacation in northern Idaho and northwest Montana. And uh, quite frankly, we intentionally drove the long way to our various destinations. We seeked out some scenic drives. I saw on one of the apps the service leader used. Evidently, last week you saw a picture of us in an ATV. Uh, We rode 60 miles on that thing in a forest road, just seeking out some rare terrain and incredible views. We were looking for scenic drives. One of the drives we did was along Route 37 from Libby, Montana, to Eureka, Montana, and we drove through the Kootenai National Forest. For 65 miles, we drove along Lake Kukanusa, and it was spectacular. It was just spectacular. Miles and miles of staggering beauty. 
Of course, if you visited that terrain, you know the landscape there is very different from ours here in western Washington. Here we enjoy green everywhere. There it's brown everywhere with some green spots here and there. Here we have lush ferns. There they have scraggly sagebrush. Here it gets warm undeniably. There it is hot. Here we have moisture. There they have dust, lots of dust. It's dry, dry, dry. There are fire warnings everywhere we went. There were signs in the parks, high fire risk. We drove by a couple areas that were blackened where grass fires had taken over and burned through the area. The, the simple difference between here and there, moisture, rain. Rain is the only difference. When we left Missoula, Montana, driving back home, the humidity was 10%. We got back here and it was raining and the humidity was 80%. The difference between one and the other is moisture. It is rain. In fact, we got back and it's a rainy day. My wife was so happy for a rainy day. I was also happy, surely a sign that we've become good Pacific Northwesterners, you know, to enjoy a good, cool, rainy day. But even on our return as we came through eastern Washington, the landscape reflects a lack of water. Yes, there's tremendous fruits and products that we enjoy from eastern Washington, but it's because those crops and those orchards are near to rivers and lakes, and there's an extensive irrigation system provided, because without the water, there's no farming, there's no fruit, there's no produce without the water. Which is the reason that many are concerned about water rights and dwindling water supply. Even this week, in fact, this morning, I noticed an article about the Colorado River and governmental restraints issued on those who depend on the water from the Colorado River, 1,450 miles long. And its river's flow has dropped drastically because of overuse. For years, there are seven states plus areas in Mexico that depend and receive the Colorado River's water, and they used more water than nature has been replenishing. Maybe you've heard about or seen pictures of Lake Mead or Lake Powell. These are reservoirs, the largest man-made reservoirs in the U.S., and they are fed by the Colorado River, and they are currently far, far lower than they should be. Their waters are divvied up between Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming, Arizona, California, Nevada, and as I said, into Mexico. Lake Mead alone services about 40 million people and four to five million acres of farmland. But that lake has dropped its level 26 feet in the last 13 months. 
Water shortage. Because of that, farmers in central Arizona, they're among the state's largest producers of livestock, dairy, alfalfa, wheat, barley. They've lost most of their river allocation from the Colorado this year. And so more farmers are going to leave their fields fallow, meaning they're growing nothing in those fields. Why? No water. Farmers, ranchers, food producers need water. No water, no produce, no growth. And I'm not worried that the shelves will be barren of Gatorade or Dr. Pepper. They're not concerned about a diminishing resource of coffee or milk or Red Bull. What they're worried about is water. Growth requires water, an ongoing supply of water. Last week, as we were walking out of one of the places where we stayed, we were close to Glacier National Park, and in the lobby of that place, there was a sign to see on your way out, not on your way in. Big old sign there that says, Don't forget to drink water. Then an arrow pointing and water words it says water filling station because different areas have different water demands and so the hotel reminded guests you know what you might not need extra water elsewhere but you need extra water here water may not be important where you're from but it's invaluable here because different areas have different demands regarding water you know, uh, the Bible reveals something uh, about that different areas and different water. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, I want to show you something. It's a, a longer passage, but stay with me and notice what it says. Deuteronomy 11.1, 1, Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. Know today that I do not speak with your children who have not known, who have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God, his greatness and his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. He makes it pretty clear who he's not talking to because they don't know what you know. Well, the specifics then, he starts in verse 3. Here's the things you've seen that they haven't his signs and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to all his land. What he did to the armies of Egypt, to their horses, their chariots, how he made the waters of the Red Sea overflow them, and they pursued you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day. Verse 5, what he did for you in the wilderness until you came to this place. What he, he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben. How the earth opened its mouth and swallowed him up, their households, their tents, all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. Verse number seven, they didn't see that, but your eyes have seen every great act of the Lord which he did. Can I simply remind us today that the Lord holds us responsible for our God knowledge and our God experience. It's one thing when we or others or someone is ignorant of the things of God, unknowing of the things of God. There is a mercy and a grace that the Lord extends to those who don't know. But the scripture makes it very clear when you know, 
when you understand, when there's been some roads covered and some experiences with God, he holds us accountable and responsible for that. In verse number 8, then the Lord goes on, Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, Notice verse number 10. Here's where he really capitalizes on the difference. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. The land itself is different, the Lord said. In that land, you watered your gardens by foot. In other words, you grabbed a bucket, a vessel, some some transferring fluids, and went to the river, the Nile, and were able to water your areas. But this land, the land I'm giving, the land of promise, the land of Canaan, it's a different land. It's not going to be a land operated like that. Rather, this land survives by heavenly rains. Notice about the land in verse 12. It's a land for which your God cares. The eyes of the Lord are on it always, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And it shall be if you honestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God, serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain. The rain's got a purpose, grain, your new wine. And your oil, the rain has a purpose. 15, I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. The rain that God provides from heaven has a purpose. In the new land, the Lord provides rain for growth. And if we forget where the rain comes from, if we forget who is our provider in the new land. Verse 16 tells us this. Take heed lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and he shut up so the heavens so that there be no rain and the land yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. See, without godly surrender, there's no heavenly rain. And without heavenly rain, there's no kingdom produce and no kingdom growth. And we end up perishing quickly without that heavenly rain. How important are these words to you and I and those who would enter into the kingdom of God? Well, look at verse 18. 
Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign in your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. You know, if you've been around Christianity any amount of time or you've done any kind of Bible reading, that those sentences might sound a bit familiar. Because those are very similar, in fact, nearly identical sentences that follow some verses a few chapters earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy 6 and 4, there's a passage known to the Jewish people as the Shema. It's fundamental. It's primary. It is a core of what their convictions and their beliefs and their understanding of God is about. In Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And as that Shema is important, following those verses are the same verses that we just read about understanding the difference between the land as it's important to know there's one God and you ought to love him with all your heart, mind and soul it's important to know in the land of Canaan the land is different and you water differently here and things grow differently here it's an understanding the Lord said Get this in your minds. Review it in your hearts. Review it in your house. Review it in your understanding. In Egypt, you got some water that you carried by foot and you poured it in your little garden. But in the land of Canaan, that's where I send rain from heaven and my rain will be a land flowing with milk and honey and produce because I have provided Egypt so different human irrigation but in Canaan it's heavenly irrigation in Egypt it's water by buckets and plumbing and in Canaan it's water by gravity from above in Egypt it's water by my effort in Canaan it's water by God's blessing in Egypt we We'll make this work. In Canaan, he will make this work. Growth and production and provision works differently in Canaan. Godly growth needs heavenly rain. The Lord of glory provides rain for his land. Human watering, hear me today. Human watering will not produce heavenly fruit. The old ways won't work in a new land. In Canaan land, our water is from the rain of heaven. Everyone who came into the auditorium today should have should have received a bottle of water. 
interesting to me that not everybody wanted the bottle of water. Had to empower our guest services team to require it upon you. Please, pastor wants you to have a bottle of water. You know, when I was young, if you would have come to me years ago and said, listen, I got a business plan. I'm going to take water, put it in a bottle, and sell it to people. We'd have laughed you to scorn. You're going to take water out of the tap that people can get in their kitchen, and you're going to sell it to people. Well, you know, we'll filter it. That's what we're going to do. In my era, in my day, that would have been a ridiculous thing. But today, you go down your grocery aisle, there'll be areas where the bottles of water are sold out. It's a whole different world. We've bought into the portability of water. Having the water with us wherever we go. Because, you know, we've come to discover having water with us, ready to drink, is important because... We need more than one drink of water in the morning. Because we need more than a glass of water before we go to bed at night. In fact, we need more than one drink of water on the first day of the week. We need more than a glass of water at Easter and Christmas. We need more than a glass of water when you're first born into this world. We need water throughout the day, every day, regularly and consistently. We need water. As the Apostle James, he also explained in our text, we'll go back to James 5, the need for water. He said, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The Apostle lets us know that fruit follows the rain. The end game, the product, the, the, the outcome follows the rain, the early and the latter rain. James said, learn from the farmer. If you're going to grow grain, you're going to go fruit. It's more than just a shot of rain to start the seed germinating. It's more than just a shot of rain to get it to come up out of the ground. But growth requires ongoing rain and ongoing irrigation. And if you you want to experience wheat or apples. Farmers invest elaborate irrigation systems to make sufficient water for the crop. How long do farmers irrigate the land until the fruit is ripe? How long do disciples need heavenly rain until the Lord comes again? And until He comes again, there needs to be rain in our life again and again until we arrive at His dwelling place. We've got to have Him dwelling with us and in us and saturating our lives with His heavenly rain. Look what the prophet Isaiah said. Sister Mel, right after I read this scripture, I'm going to go to that video. Isaiah 12, look what the prophet said. And in that day you will say, O Lord, 
I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for Yah the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation because I know he's my strength and my song and my salvation. Look what it says in verse 3. Therefore with joy. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I've come to remind us today the joy that is in the water of our Savior, that's in the water of His power, that's in the water of His salvation. There is something about that water of God's power and divine glory. There's joy in that water. I want you to check out this little video. Look at his toddler. I want the early and the latter rain. I want water that's drawn from the wells of salvation. Uh, hear me today, church. Is that little one, is that joyful child? There ought to be something in us that realizes I'm grateful for the water of the Holy Ghost that I've received. Uh, I'm grateful that I have that initial experience of God's power in my life. But I will not just have it in a jar. I've got to partake of what I've received. I, I've got to bathe in the power and presence of God, not just a little sip now and then, more than a mouthful here and there, more than six ounces or more than one bottle, more than just a rain to get things started. Some of us thinking, well, I got a power of God way back when. I got a dose of the Holy Ghost decades ago. I remember the time, hear me today, that the rain of God's power was not designed just to get us wet on one occasion but his glory and his power is to develop and to grow there are growing rains the former and the latter if there's going to be a fruit if there's going to be a crop if there's going to be a produce in our land then you and I must be like that child and press our way with joy back into that place of God's presence and the place of God's power and the place of his joy and his hope and his divinity drinking from the Lord's well James remind us live with the knowledge of that farmer and look for growing rains many divine rains fruit follows the water produce comes after the water growth results from the water God's design for each and every one of us is to be flourishing in our development like the land of Canaan. A land flowing with milk and honey. Ongoing plentiful development. Our spiritual lives should be like a lush rainforest, not like a high mountain desert. Our spiritual lives should be fed by divine rains and growing rains and, and drinking in the saturating presence of God. How long, how often, when should we do that? Until the coming of the Lord. 
We should place ourselves in positions to where I can raise my hands and raise my face and open my heart and my mind with an invitation. Lord, I want your power and your glory to flood over my mind. Lord, I, I want your divine nature, Lord, to flood over my spirit. Lord, I desire, oh God, that the seed of your word would bring forth fruit. And that'll happen as your power saturates my mind and saturates my soul and, and flows over me again and again. I, I see it, Lord. It's not just one time that I experience your glory, but in land of Canaan, rains keep coming. In the land of Canaan, the rains from heaven keep coming down. I'm not going to turn aside to the old ways of irrigation, but in the land of Canaan, I want to be rained upon in the things of God. Stand with me all over this auditorium. Well, I just want to be a little provocative here today. The land of Canaan flowing with milk and honey. A rainforest that's lush with greenery, so much moisture. Moss is growing everywhere you look. Things are growing all over the place because there is so much moisture. Does that describe our kingdom of God lives today? Or are there times we feel more like a dry and parched area? Desperate. Sagebrush, tumbleweeds, rather than lush green ferns coming up off of the forest floor. I wonder if some of us keep facing challenging, destructive fires blowing through the grasslands of our lives. It's not because we invited them, but the environment that we're allowing, because there's just not enough water. We're, we're not inviting and allowing enough water. Would you hear the call of Jesus Christ today? In John 7, on the last day of the feast, Jesus, one of the pinnacle points of his ministry, stood up in the crowd and said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 39, John explained this. He spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in Him would receive. Look, by all means, each and every one should receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everyone, if you've not received the Holy Spirit, each and every one should receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it's not just a bottle to carry around. It's not meant to stay in your cabinet at home. It's not meant to sit in your backpack or be in that little cubby in your car. It's meant to refresh. The presence of God is meant to refresh. Now, if you want to wait until you can barely talk to take a drink, if 
You want to wait until your energy is gone and you're dragging yourself back to a place where you think the water of the rains of God's Spirit is. That's up to you, but that's not God's intention. The Lord's intention is that we partake of His power. Early and often, because He wants to grow beautiful, beautiful things in our lives. I wonder if there's some disciples in the house today that would say, you know what, I just want to be in the reign of God's presence. I don't need anything. I'm not begging God for anything. I don't need Him to change anything. I just want to be in His presence. I just want to feel the rain of God's glory and His divine power. If you feel that way today, would you step out of your seat, out of your pew? Would you come up around the front? Maybe in your mind and in your spirit, be like that little toddler in that video. Look, nobody's holding me back today. Nobody's taking me back in the house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out into the rain. I'm going to let that rain fall over my face and fall over my heart. Oh, that's awesome, disciples. Come on. Reach out, look up into the heavens and see that power of God's glory. He's here. His presence is here. It's not a matter of His desire. It's a matter of our desire. It's a matter of our openness. Are we welcoming Him? Are we ready for Him? Are we inviting Him? Oh, it's a beautiful thing all over this house. I, I see children of God. Children of God, not afraid to dance around in His power and His glory. Not afraid to be in His presence. But recognize I want Him to grow in me. I want Him to develop in me. I want His glory to come down. Come on, return to Him again. Invite His presence to reign over your life. Invite His presence to reign over your mind right now. Invite His presence to saturate your soul right now. Come on, be nourished by the Spirit of the Lord in this place. Be drenched by the growing rains right now. I implore you in the house right now, put away your umbrellas. Come out of the coverings of the roof. Come out into the drenching place of God's presence. Oh, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Lord, I, I don't want to be thirsty. I want my thirst quenched. Lord, I don't want to be dry and barren and struggling. I want to be, Lord, fruitful and fulfilled and blessed, oh, Lord. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church.